you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 17. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks and seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Base things of the world and things which are despised had God chosen, yea, and things which are not, and to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I want to look for a few minutes this morning at pursuing godly wisdom. Father, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for your love. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. Thank you for your presence in here this morning, God, and moving among us, your people. Thank you, Father, that you would inhabit the praises of your people. I would ask you to continue to move. Lord, may you speak to us. I pray you speak to each one of us, Father. Will you help us, God, to be better servants? We love you. It is our heart's desire to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we, we see several different kinds of wisdom. Some people ascribe lots of different kinds of wisdom. I was just curious from, from a world's perspective and messages and preparing. I try to look at several perspectives and then so that you know what the world's out there so that you can get a better, clearer picture of what it is that God's saying. But if you try to Google it, some ascribe as many as seven different types of, of wisdom. But really, no matter what it is, according to our text right here, when God says that it really falls, all wisdom falls under one of two categories. There's worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. Wisdom, by definition, is the right use or exercise of knowledge, or it is the exercise of sound judgment. So knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Knowledge is learning. Wisdom is the application of what we've learned. You know, a man can have a, a wall full of doctorate degrees, and he can memorize the encyclopedia. He can quote the Declaration of Independence and still act like a fool, amen? So, so a Anton Chekhov, I have no idea if that's right. That's why I put it on your bulletin where you can see how bad I mispronounced it. He says that knowledge is of no value unless you put it into practice. Wisdom is simply putting knowledge into practice. The Bible says that the wisdom of man is foolishness. 
Verse number 27 there in our text says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You know, the world loves to boast of their knowledge and boast of the things that they have and boast of things that they've done as though they've obtained things of themselves. But everything we have is from God. Every knowledge, every financial gift, every blessing, our family, everything that we have, those things are all gifts from God. And I'm, I'm very thankful for doctors. I truly am. I'm thankful for medicine. I'm thankful for the things that we have that, that we can take that, that make us feel better. But, but those things are not from the wisdom of man. They truly are gifts from God. I grew up in that old school stuff where it was like it was a sin to go to a doctor. Well, actually, you just ain't trusting God. You just, you just don't have faith in God. That's not it at all. I have faith in God to use those doctors to give me the things that I need. My, I'm not putting my faith in that doctor, but I believe that God gave me that, and I believe he gave me enough sense to go to where I need to go to get some help. So, so I, I, I see some things differently. People will automatically say, well, what if you go to a worldly doctor? What if the doctor's not saved? Then how is God going to use that? Well, I got news for you. A doctor not being saved is going to send him to hell and keep him out of heaven. But it's not going to take him out of the hand of God. It's not going to make him unusable to the power of our God. You know, God in the Old Testament, he used Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a worldly empire, to, to punish Jerusalem, his own children, to burn down the city, burn the walls, to, to destroy it. God used a worldly king. You look in the New Testament, God used Pilate, God used the worldly Roman Empire to crucify his very own son to make a way of salvation for all of mankind. It's not unusual for God to use things of the world. God used a donkey to talk to Balaam because Balaam was going in the wrong direction. He was going to do something against the will of God. It wasn't God's perfect will. God used a fish to redirect Jonah's intentions, amen? Jonah seemed to have had some misguidance between north and south and heading in the wrong direction. And, and God used a storm to get him into the water. And then he used a fish to get him going in the right direction. God used the wind and the water and the waves to get the disciples' attention so that they might see in Christ Jesus that, that truly this man is the, the Son of God. God used the ravens to feed the prophet Elijah, the brook Cherith to bring food down there for a season. God can use anything and everything. Everything is in the hand of God to be used. God doesn't have to have a Christian in place to take care of a Christian or Christian things. All of my life, up to 10 years ago this week, I was a self-employed business owner. Everybody we worked for weren't Christians. Everybody I moved mobile homes for, everybody we delivered homes to and, and installed those homes, they weren't Christians. Some of them were worldly people, but can I tell you something? Their money spent just as good as the Christians did paid my bills the same way. All our, some, there, there, there are lots of you work for organizations, you work for large corporations, and they're not necessarily Christian organizations or Christian corporations, but they provide food for your family, don't they? They provide a, a job that provides a check. There are corporations all in this country that employ thousands of Christians. They're not Christian organization, but they do two things. They, they, they offer a Christian a place to work that they might make money, that they might pay their bills, that they might support their family, but they also provide us an opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ. 
They, they provide us an opportunity to, to be a light in a dark world so that others might see our light. You know, Benjamin and I, we were, we were talking this week, and we were talking about how others should see a difference in us. Amen? There ought to be something different. There ought to be something that stands out. And, and, and I made this statement. If they don't see a difference, it's because there is no difference. You can't be different and be the same. You can't be a child of God and look like the world. You can't be new things in Christ and old things not be passed away. So, so if we're new creatures in Christ, then we need to be new creatures. People need to see the, a difference in them. So as, as for the doctors and, and the medicine, the, the simple fact is this. Only God can make a heart beat and make it continue to beat. Only God can make lungs breathe and make them continue to breathe. Only God can make blood flow and, and continue to flow. We got machines, we got stuff, but when God said it is enough, it is enough. So I'm not putting faith in doctors, but I am thankful that, that we have doctors. But the world wants to try to apply that into worldly wisdom as though the world has done something. The message is about godly wisdom. How do we pursue godly wisdom? Well, James chapter 1 Beginning in verse number two says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Anybody ever fall into temptations? Anybody ever struggle and do some battles? He says, count it all joy when that happens, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may per be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But in verse number five, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. Verse 6 says, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You notice the instructions about faith there comes after temptations. Anybody ever wonder why in your life? Hello. Yeah, I grew up in that school too. It's a sin to ask God why. Well, check me off center. I just got reasons to go ask. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever ask God why you're going through what you're going through? Why temptations? Why troubles? Why trials? Why, why sickness? Why complications? Why do bad things happen to good people, right? People strive and doing their best and go through. Why, why do God's children continue to go through the things that we go through? James says, count it all joy. He says, those are the things that drive us towards God. Those are the things that increase our prayer life. Those are the things that, that cause us to desire to be closer to God. So according to James, wisdom has to do with applying the circumstances of life to Christian living. Applying the circumstances of life to Christian living. We are to strive to be like Christ. Amen? How many of you want to be like Christ? It, it's, it's our goal. We look at it every day and we look at the, the Sermon on the Mount and the things that he preached and how he lived and how he blessed others and how he healed the sick and, and made the lame. And, and we look at all the things that he did and we want to be like Christ. But there's some other things that Christ did. Christ went to the cross to suffer in agony. And he did it because he trusted the eternal purpose of the Father. Simply put, Jesus accepted the fact that the cross was part of the plan. 
See, see, that's where a lot of us struggle to be like Jesus. It's hard for me to understand that my cross is just part of the plan. It's hard for me to understand that that bumpy road is just part of the plan. It's hard for me to understand that that dark storm is just part of the plan. It's hard for me to understand that trials and tribulation and sickness and all the stuff that we go through in life is just part of the plan. But it, those are the things that shape me and mold me. If I want to be like Christ, then i got to be changed from what I am. Amen? And God does things to, to change our lives. So, so James simply, point, simply points out the fact that, that many of us, we don't have that kind of wisdom. I realize there's a time and a place for everything, and there's times you really not to use it, and people struggle with different stuff. But, you know, it, it takes wisdom to understand something like Romans 8, 28, to know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Anybody have some things going on in your life that wasn't good? Anybody had some stuff come up on your plate that wasn't good? So stuff just happens time to time that's not good? And that's not what that verse says. It says that all things work together for good. There's been things in my life I can't see an ounce of good in none of it. But if we're going to be like Christ, we have to trust that the cross was part of the plan from the very beginning. So whatever it is that God allows is all part of the plan. We need godly wisdom to help us understand how trials and tribulations work for our good in the long run. And, and it's okay. God does not scold us for our lack of wisdom. God, God doesn't punish us. He, he doesn't rebuke us. He doesn't condemn us for our lack of wisdom. He offers it to us. If any man like wisdom, let him ask of God. So, so God's not scolding us because we're short on wisdom and, and we don't understand some of the things we go through. He's just saying you need wisdom. You need help understanding. You, you need to know something about the position just come sit down and talk to me a while. Pull up a chair. Have a seat. Let you and I sit down and talk. I'll be glad to give you wisdom. I'll be glad to help you understand how I'm shaping you to be more like Christ. Chapter 3, James talks a little bit more on the subject of wisdom. Verse number 13, he says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. So, so true wisdom is from above. And, and false wisdom is from the world. But what we see is that we actually battle three different battlefronts, if you will. We, we battle the world. We battle the flesh. And we battle the devil. Amen. Anybody still with me? The, the good news for us as the children of God is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has overcome all three. That's the good news for us as, as children of God. So God the Father is opposed to the things of the world. And he will help us to overcome the temptations of the world. God and the Holy Spirit is opposed to the things of the flesh. 
And he will help us to overcome the temptations of the flesh. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is opposed to the devil. And he will help us overcome the temptations of the devil. So how do we overcome the battles that we face in life? What does godly wisdom look like? 1 John chapter 2 deals with the temptations of the world. It says in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So says, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The only way to overcome the love of the world is to work daily to cultivate the love of God in our lives. We, we are to love God first. All of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. That is the first and great commandment. We are to love God first. And if we're going to be like God, then we've got to love God. But if we're going to be like God, we've got to love people. Two people agreed with that. If we're going to be like God, we got to, certainly, we ought to be able to love each other. We're children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, going to spend all of eternity together. I hope we can love one another. But this is love people, not sin, sinners. Anybody thankful that somebody loved you as a sinner enough to tell you the truth about Christ? That's because they loved us when we were sinners just like Christ. That, that's our job it is to love people, to have the love of God in us. So if we love God first, then we can overcome the love of the things of the world. But then the flesh, right? That's got to be like the biggest one. That's got to be the biggest challenge. It's that, it's that daily nature. It's that old nature that rises up. It's that, it's that challenge, that, that stuff, that, that constant battle from within. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not by myself, am I? That, that constant battle in the spirit. But if we are truly saved, the old nature is still in us, but it does not have rule over us. If we are truly saved, then we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is opposed to the flesh. He will help us. He will guide us. He will help us overcome temptations. When you got saved, did the Holy Spirit help you overcome some stuff? I remember him just physically almost helping me when, when, you, when you would think about things that, that he would bring it to your mind. Uh-uh, uh-uh, y'all know what I'm talking about? That's because he is opposed. To, he, it's not that he was opposed to the things of the flesh. He still is. It wasn't just to get saved and get filled to be different then. It's to be different every day. That he might help us overcome the battles of the flesh every single day. And because he is within us, he will help us and, and, and he will guide us. I will add this. It's up to us to listen to what he says. It's up to us to heed the advice of the Holy Spirit to overcome the flesh. So beginning in verse, uh, verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, the apostle Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's about as elementary as it gets. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
Now the works of flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, simulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before as I've told you in time past. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit so we don't have to war against the temptations of this world on our own god has overcome the world and god will help us overcome the temptations of the world we don't have to overcome the temptations of the flesh alone the holy spirit has overcome the flesh and and he will help us overcome the temptations then there's old battle with the devil. First John chapter 3, verse number 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, assured us on Calvary's cross that the devil is defeated. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, says, As ye have therefore received Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So we walk with God. We walk with the Holy Spirit. This is walking the Lord Jesus Christ. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and, and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, Wherein also ye are risen with him through faith in the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. You being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Thank you, Jesus. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That means that Jesus Christ not only came and fulfilled all of the law, but he fulfilled all of the curse of the law and nailed it to his cross. Verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2 says, Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them. Now, spoiled, that, that, that's a key word. It, it means that he, that he plundered them. He took from them anything that was of value. I'm thankful that when he took death, when he saved my soul, he took me from the devil. Amen. I was born into sin. I was a child of the devil. He took anything that was of value from the devil. I'm, I'm thankful that God sees value in us. Amen. 
You see this word all throughout the Old Testament. When a kingdom would go against another kingdom and go to do war, they would go and they would destroy a kingdom. But they didn't just destroy and burn everything. They spoiled the land. They plundered the land. They took anything and everything that was of value, they took for, for themselves. See, that's what Jesus did to the enemy. Death and the devil what was the enemy. Jesus completely defeated them, and, and then he spoiled them so that there's nothing left for us as children of God to be worried about. There, there's nothing left for God's children to fear in the devil. There's nothing left for God's children to fear in death. Then it says that he made a show of them openly. When a king would go and overthrow a land and, and they would they would kill all the soldiers, they'd kill all the men. They, they would take all of the spoil, everything that was any value, they would go back to their own kingdom. And that'd be like a parade, if you will, that they would march through the streets of their own kingdom showing the spoil, showing the things that they had taken from that kingdom and brought back to their kingdom. So, so Jesus made a, a show of them. He has risen from the grave, and we know that he returned to his kingdom, and we know that he has the keys of death and of hell. He has victory over both. So you and I have the promise, amen? So, so having obtained complete victory over all, the, the cross won the battle for the souls of men. The empty grave made, made a spoil so, so that victory is ours to all of us who are in Christ Jesus. That's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is take the knowledge that we know. God overcame the world and put it into practice as wisdom that I too can overcome the world if I keep my faith in God. Godly wisdom is that the Holy Spirit has overcome the flesh. That's, that's knowledge. I can read it in the book. I can learn. That becomes knowledge. But it becomes wisdom when I take it and put it into the effect, or in, in, into place, into work, that I can overcome my flesh through the Holy Spirit. That becomes wisdom. Any, anybody know that, that the devil is out to get you? Anybody know that the devil would love to destroy your home, destroy your family, destroy your life? destroy your testimony he can't destroy your eternity because it's sealed in the blood of jesus christ but he would love to destroy all that he can and he does it through temptation we know from job he can't touch you unless god allows it but he can make temptation and you can do it to yourself and so what we have is the knowledge that Jesus Christ has overcome the temptations of the devil. We saw it when he overcame in the temptations in the wilderness. And wisdom is to take the knowledge that we have and put it into place. That's the wisdom of God. That, that we take this and that we live by this book. Reading this book does good, but not if you don't live by it. Knowledge of this book does good, but not if we don't put into place the things that knowledge has taught us. So the wisdom of God is putting the things of God first. How do we pursue godly wisdom? By pursuing the things of God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. So having the wisdom of God means loving what God loves. Despising what God despises. It is to try to be like God. God will give us his wisdom when we study his word and put it into application. When we study his word and then apply what we read 
to our lives. So godly wisdom begins with this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That is the beginning of godly wisdom. James says, if any man lacks that wisdom and desires it. Anybody lack some wisdom? Anybody could use a little dose of some more godly wisdom? Anybody could use a little dose of, Lord, help me understand the things that I'm going through are somehow going to come out good. Help me understand that it's going to shape me, make me stronger. But above all, that you're going to get glory and honor from it. Anybody need any godly wisdom? I need some godly wisdom. I need some help understanding some things. I, it's not that God is going to give, give me or us wisdom to understand all things until that day when I see him, I will be like him for I shall see him as he is. Anybody excited about that day? There's a day coming. Temptations won't be there anymore. Darkness won't be there anymore. Troubles and trials won't be there anymore. Situations and sickness and death, that stuff won't be there anymore. There's a day coming. But in the meantime, I want wisdom in this life. Amen? I want to be more like Christ in this life. Now, by a vowel, anybody there? I want to ask you guys, you stand, band. Come, come, come on down. Come on down. James says, if any man lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. That's the same as open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there be not room enough to receive it. God says, you want wisdom, you seek it, and I'll not withhold it from you. How do we seek things from God? Well, it's through prayer. So if you guys want to pray, we, we, need, we need to pray together as a church. God, give us wisdom. Wisdom... We're not going to reach this hometown. We're not going to change this community by our wisdom or by our knowledge or by our strength. But I believe with all my heart we can change this hometown. I believe with all my heart we can change those around us one soul at a time by being a light, making a difference. But in doing it, it's taking what we learn and then applying it as, as godly wisdom. So if we want to just pray, I ask you to pray certainly for ourselves individually. Pray for the church that God give us wisdom to be everything that God wants us to be. I want to ask you to bow your heads, if you will, while you're praying. Altars always open. Anybody wants to use it. But I wonder if there's anybody you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You can't have godly wisdom until old things have passed away. You can't have godly wisdom until the things of the world have been replaced by the things of God. You can't have godly wisdom until your sins are forgiven and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit in to guide you. But you can do that now. That's the beauty of salvation. There's nothing for you to do but accept it. All the doing's already been done. There's nothing left to do. There's just a free gift laying there and you must accept the free gift. And the free gift is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's up to us as individuals. Everybody in this place that is saved is saved because they said, Father, I'm a sinner. There must be confession of sins with the lips. Father, forgive me of my sins and save my soul. It's the only way to be saved. There's not something you've got to go out and do. There's not some merits you've got to earn. There's not some great task that you've got to do to be saved. 
There are jobs you can do as a result of salvation. There are things that you can do that God can use your life to reach others after salvation. But there's nothing you can physically do to be saved. It is what you do with your heart. And that's trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul in Jesus' name. God is faithful. 